If you have your Bible this morning, if you turn with me to Ephesians 3, verse 7 and 8. We're going to look at those verses together today. Ephesians 3, 7 and 8. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. As we think about this uh, text today, I hope that each one that's here would feel like this is maybe an application to your life. I hope that you know that God has called you to do certain things. Everybody that's here today uh, has something laid out by the Lord for you to do. And you say, well, I don't know what it is. Well... You know, we can help with that. Uh, We can suggest some things. Uh, Sometimes when we talk about this text, people say, now that's for the missionaries, that's for the pastors, that's for the evangelists, uh, that's not for me. Well, I don't believe that. Uh, I think that God has called every one of us here this morning to do certain things. God puts his hand on a Christian businessman, a Christian business lady, a retired person, a young married person, even a teenager. God puts his hand on all of us and says, here's a task for you to do. Here's a job that you can do better than anybody else in the world. You know, there are some people that you know that you are the only person that can really talk to them. They've narrowed the scope of their friendships down to you. And if anybody's going to reach them, it's you. You're the one. Sometimes there are those that follow you, that watch you, that love you, but yet they've never made any kind of a commitment to Christ, and so it's, it's upon you, really. Maybe they're in your family or they're in your neighborhood or they're at your place of work. The Lord commissions us, I think, to do that. He puts us in a particular place at a particular time with a particular job to do. And then he gives us the resolve and the ability and the leadership of his spirit to carry it out. We're going to do a new thing. We're going to develop a list of all the people that are members of our church that are homebound or shut-ins. Some people call them shut-ins. We're going to make a list of all those people, members of the church, that can't really get out. And then we're going to have a little dot, 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 and then we're going to have a space for people that are members of our church to uh, put your name down there. And you would be the person that would reach out to them weekly, monthly, you know, however you feel led of God, to, uh, to visit with them, to care for them, to pray for them, to love them. And we're going to see if we can get somebody kind of chimed in with, with everybody that's on the list. And we hope that we can. 
Obviously, people won't hear the word of God unless the children of God share it, give it. Unless somebody decides to do more than just live a good life. You know, living a good life is great, but if you never verbalize the gospel, if you never verbalize what Jesus wants and expects of all of the folks, then they're never going to hear. You must hear the gospel before you can heed the gospel. A lot of folks in our world have never heard. You say, oh, yes, everybody's heard for crying out loud. Well, they haven't. They haven't. There's a lot of people that have never opened a Bible, a lot of people that have never even tried to pray. There are crevices of darkness in our society that really need the shining, bright light of Jesus. And it's up to us, the people of God, to see that they get it. It's up to us, no one else. We realize that uh, the darkness can be overcome by the bright light of the Savior. In Paul's calling, like the calling of every minister, it was a call to God's program. To be a part of God's plans. According, he says, to the gift of God's grace. Now, some of you have positions of leadership at a company where you work. Some of you in your neighborhood. Some of you on the tennis team or the golf team or the uh, whatever team. Uh, In the bridge group. Maybe that's where you can have an influence. A lot of people... Uh, are related to folks in a very particular uh, part of, of our community that only you, perhaps, will be able to share a word for the Lord. Well, you can communicate uh, with folks during a break at work or after work or in your home or in the neighborhood, wherever it might be, something to the good news of Christ. Now, minister is a... W- is a word that comes from a Greek word, diakonos. That's also where we get the word deacon. Uh, It is the same idea. It means to serve. That's the point, to serve. It's to serve, not to rule. I feel like my position in this church is to, to serve. I think that's what God's called me to do. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. I think that's what our deacons are supposed to do. Our Bible study teachers, they're supposed to do that. All of the folks in our church that have been Christians for a long time, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to serve. The root word, diakonos, it means to serve. In the military, there is the President of the United States. He is the head of our military. He's the head guy. He can call us to war. He can send bombs places. He can do really about uh, what he wants to. He's the head guy. Then under him are the joint chiefs of staff. Then there are the generals and the majors and the captains and the lieutenants and the sergeants and the privates. There's a lot of privates. A lot of privates. There's only one president. Only one of those. And down here, uh, we, wherever we are, 
uh, is we realize that it's a triangle. Uh, you know, in the military, they have a triangle. And at the top, very top of the triangle is the President of the United States, whoever that might be. And down at the bottom are the privates. And then, you know, there's a gradation uh, up to the top. Well, if somebody down toward the bottom is trying to tell the military what to do, we've got a real problem. Uh, you know, that isn't going to work. We're in big, big trouble. doesn't work that way. In the church, there is a structure. Now, what if you turn the structure, the triangle, upside down? Here's the flat line, and here's the two lines, and right here is the point. The point. Well, uh, theologically, I think I'm supposed to be at that point. I ought to be at the bottom, the absolute bottom. And the deacons ought to be real close to the bottom. <laughs> and the Bible study teachers ought to be real close to the bottom. Those folks that have been Christians for years and years and years ought to be real close to the bottom. And uh, we're not supposed to be calling the shots uh, for the top. Who is supposed to be calling the shots? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He's the only one uh, that's supposed to call the shots. And and, uh, a lot of what we're supposed to do, of course, is in his word. Well... The ones who know how to serve best, rather than going up in the hierarchy, they ought to go down into the structure. Now that's revolutionary thinking for so many in the religious world in America today. The responsibility that Paul had, he felt like, was to faithfully be a servant, a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given to him. The Lord, the scripture is saying, the Lord is the power. He is the motivational component behind all of the servants. Every once in a while in churches, somebody uh, tries uh, to take charge. They write letters to the deacons or they get up in a business meeting and say something that... uh, would get everybody's attention, of course. Well, whenever somebody does that with the wrong spirit, uh, that really is a sign of their immaturity in the Lord. It's rude, and I really think it leads to disharmony among uh, the people. That's like a private trying to run the military. That's not the way it works. And nobody who is mature in the Lord... Uh, everybody ought to know that. Uh, The Lord is the power behind the servant. The Lord is the one that empowers us. Now, in order for there to be empowerment in the church, there has to be some kind of order in which things happen. Now, by virtue of our organization, there are some that have been selected because of their Christian maturity to be in a leadership position in our church. It's their responsibility in that regard to lead. That's why we have those positions. That's why God has called them to those positions. I think God has called each and every one of us to some point of leadership within this church. 
Perhaps uh, that leadership position would call upon you to be the missionary, the minister in your home. There are a lot of people in our church, their husband or their wife needs help, and you're the one that the Lord has called to do that. We have things here in our church property that break down periodically. We have a group of people called the trustees, and they fix stuff, and they paint stuff, and they make stuff work that uh, we have broken somehow or another. <laughs> and uh, we really can't do without them. It's very important. And we have the ushers. And we have the sound people. We have a lots of folk. You know, I've noticed every Sunday morning when we come in here, there are two glasses of water up there. Periodically, I'll be preaching along or Jim will be doing something and uh, we get, you know, choked up somehow. And we got to have that water. I don't know who puts that water there, but it is real important. I mean real important. If it wasn't there, uh, we'd have a, a long period of choking, which nobody really wants uh, to hear at all. Well, you know, if, if something is, is kind of out of place, we need to remember the, the Lord has empowered us. The Lord has blessed us. The Lord has given us the capacity to do that which he has called us to do. Perhaps your leadership position is to represent Christ at your office, in your neighborhood, with the tennis people, the bridge people, whoever it might be. Behind every great man, there's a surprised woman. Have you heard that? Behind every great minister, every great diaconos, uh, there is another uh, person that is helped. But it's the Lord, of course, that really kind of moves us around, that directs us, and that has us to have a yielded heart. A yielded heart is very, very important. Not a heart that is trying to turn everybody around to their point of view, but a heart that is wanting and yearning to serve. Paul emphasizes the fact that he did not make himself a minister. He was made a minister. Now, how was he made a minister? Did he go out one day and say, you know, I'm really the smartest person around here. Uh, I have been taught by some of the great religious minds of the world. I know more than those ten people standing over there know together. Uh, I know the, the biblical languages. I know a lot of the different languages that are used around here. I know the philosophical approaches of our day. Therefore, I ought to be the leader of everybody. I know all those things. Is that how it came about? Absolutely not. In our text today... You remember, there was a calling, there was a message, there was the work, there was the empowering. It was all of God, not of Paul, but of God. He, before he was saved, was persecuting the Christians. Some of them he had killed. Paul did that. He was trying to bring disunity to the church. That was his goal, to persecute those that believed in Jesus. 
Out of that kind of a background, on the Damascus Road, a great light came. He was knocked to the ground. He was in many ways blinded. And, and he heard a voice. And the voice said something akin to this. Arise, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you to be a minister and to be a witness. Over the years of uh, my ministry, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, God told me to do this. And I always say, are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, At one point I was a, a campus minister at Southern Methodist University. And we had an opportunity come up that we were going to pay one of the college students to go down to a real exotic, nice place in the Caribbean and spend three months in the summer doing mission work. Well, we posted that to where everybody could see it, and we had 15 people that responded. There was a committee of three of us that uh, were going to choose the one person that was going to be uh, the one that went. It was all paid. Well, uh, we had ten people that came in that said, God has told me that I'm the person. Ten. And so the other five didn't say that. Uh, so we, we got the ten together, and I said, uh, you know, ten of you have said that God has called you to do this. Now, is God confused? Because there's only one that's going. What, what's the problem here? And every one of those, this is unbelievable, every one of those ten said, well, they must have misunderstood. <laughs> they didn't get it. They, that, that's not what, because God told me that I was supposed to be the one that went. Well, I got the other two on the committee uh, together, and I said, uh, I want to make a suggestion. Let's uh, not pick any of those ten. Let's look through the last five and, uh, and pick one of those. And they thought about it for a while, and uh, they said, okay. And uh, that's what we did. And it worked out real well. And the person that went did a great job. The calling, the message, the work, the empowering, those things are all of God, not of ourselves. If we try and take over the reins of the ship and try to run it like we want it, then we're out of God's will. It was not Paul's education, nor his natural ability, nor his experience, nor his power, nor his personality, nor his influence, nor any other thing that qualified him to be a minister for Jesus. It was that he was to be made an apostle, a preacher, a servant by the will of God. And that's just as clear as it can be in the text that we read today. Whenever anyone says, everyone in here, listen to me. If you'll just listen to me, everything will be all right. I know how it ought to be. That kind of attitude is not of the Lord. Whenever anybody has that kind of an attitude, they are very, very immature in their faith. 
when the person exalts themselves and begins to work in their own human power according to their own plans, they are competing with God. They shouldn't do that. They forfeit, of course, their spiritual power. Because everything that is of value in our lives, including power for effective service, comes only from the Lord. Humility is wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful trait. Paul considered himself the very least of all the saints in verse 8. And he means that. I think Paul meant that, no question about it. It's very clear in the text. He said he was the very least. That's a comparative word in in the Greek. It means less than the least. That's where he saw himself. He put himself way down at the bottom of the triangle. This was not mock humility, but a fair assessment. He was giving a fair assessment of where he fit into the scheme of things. Now, the monks, you remember the monks? The monks literally walled themselves into a very small area in the basement of some monastery. Six by six feet was the dimensions of their home, where they were, and they never left. They were in that six-by-six-foot area. They never left that. They never saw the sunlight. They never saw anybody else. They were in the wall. They were monks. Well, uh, of course, they were in a real close relationship with God. That's what they wanted to do. They, They accomplished that. But they didn't have any relationship with anybody else. On the other extreme were the social gospel folks, the Walter Rauschenbusch people. They had their ministry on a horizontal level. Didn't have a depth relationship with God, uh, but uh, they had the horizontal, not the vertical. They had the horizontal. Well, we need both. We need to reach up to God and get power and insight and guidance, and then we need to work horizontally with the folks that the Lord has placed around us. We have to reach up for leadership from our Heavenly Father. We have to serve those who are placed about us. Serve. doesn't say rule. It says serve. Not try and say, hey, you people turn around. Do it like I want to do it. That isn't what it says. That's not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ in this word, that is the basis of our text, is to serve, to love, and to encourage. If you'd like to be a part of a church family that tries real hard to do that, I want to ask you today, if you've not joined anywhere, to come and join with us. Because that's what we're trying to do. If you're here, you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord. You are like Paul walking down that Damascus road. Maybe today is the day that the Lord would speak to your heart as you're sitting right there and would encourage you, would urge you to take a step toward salvation, a step toward Christ. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I'll be standing right down here. If the Lord would lead you, I pray that you'd come today and cast your lot with the people of God. Let's stand together as we sing.